Please be seated. Well, good morning. It is good to be here with you on this day. It's good to be crowded. We're sorry about those who are outside. Be at peace, keep warm. <laughs> um, but it is also an opportunity for us to continue in the struggle um, with Jesus' teaching in the ninth chapter of Mark's Gospel and to see how that relates today to baptism. Baptisms are fabulous. I love baptisms, especially of young babies, because they are not predictable and they're going to do what they want. <laughs> so, friends, get over it. <laughs> There is the continuation from last week's gospel when the disciples decided that Jesus was giving them such truth that they could contain all that truth by themselves and that anyone else who was involved in that without first checking with them and then checking with Jesus um, shouldn't be recognized. And Jesus is very clear about that in the teaching today. It has to do with what the teaching is, yes, but it also has to do with who are called. And the way in which a call is given is not the same for everyone. As, as a bishop, one of the jobs that I had, one of the positions that was available to me was that of helping others discern whether they were called to ordained ministry. All of us through baptism are called into a Christian life. All of us through baptism are called into, into ministry. All of us through baptism are called into the fullness of the community. But not everyone is called to be ordained and a lot of good people are ruined by it. <laughs> when God calls us, and we hear that call, it's not always about ordination. It's about living that life that God has intended for us. The gospel reminds me that we're not all called to do the gospel, to practice our faith, to respond to a broken world in the same way. We're, at, we're called to use the gifts that God has given us and to exercise our differences. The disciples believed in Jesus and wanted others to stop doing the same thing unless they joined them. Not so, says Jesus. Showing wisdom, showing tolerance, showing grace, and the inclusiveness of God's love for all people is what's important. I have been amazed at, um, at some of the hierarchy in various churches and in various religions and, and groups over the past number of years as there is a proclamation of recognizing what is redemptive within each other's faith. And I think that that is an important part of what Jesus is saying today and what the gospel of God's grace and love is all about. To recognize in one another that, those charisms, those gifts, 
And dear friends, not everyone needs to be an Episcopalian. Now we'd like that, but how boring that could be. I watched as the Pope of Rome came into the United States and listened to what he was saying. And I was amazed because so much of he was saying was really about what the gospel is today. It's about opening hearts and opening hands and opening lives. Countless saints and sages have in the past and will continue in the future to say the same thing, to reach out in ministry, in work, and in giving. I want to share with you a midrash today. Midrash is a is a way of Jewish teaching. And Christians, we, we do the same thing. And we also don't call them midrashes. We often call them things like pericopes or um, from Greek names. But this is a story, a midrash, and it describes God's deliverance of the people from slavery in Egypt. The midrash tells us that an angel says to God, listen, the joyful cries and shouts of the Israelites. You have saved them from death. And the Lord God replies, I can't hear them. I can't hear their joyful cries because they are being drowned out by the agonizing cries of the Egyptians. I want you to understand what that Midrash means. That God's love is for all people and not just those of us who think that we've got all the answers. Because, dear friends, we don't. I don't. You don't. God is God and we are not. And we're here on this day to celebrate that, not only through the sacrament of Holy Communion, the Eucharist, but through the sacrament of baptism, where we open ourselves to hear those words again, to recommit if we so choose, and to bring others into the fullness of God's grace. Seek first mission and transformation, but never, never, dear friends, at the expense of others. When I brought Kathy, my wife, at one time, in we were visiting friends in, in London, I, I took her to a church just outside of the tower, um, um, and the tower has special meaning for, for us because one of our friends was, was a guard there at the tower. But the little church next to the Tower of London um, was a place that C.S. Lewis loved to visit. And he would often preach there. And on the, on the, there's a plaque on the, on the pulpit. And it's a pulpit that I often wondered what it would be like to preach from. It stands about 18 feet high. 
Now, if that's not above contradiction, I don't know what is. <laughs> C.S. Lewis said, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you loved someone, you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more. If you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. I submit to you that that is not bad advice even now, more than 60 years after C.S. Lewis gave that advice. There is an aspect of, of um, something in life that I, I think is, is interesting for me, um, and it's, it's a little piece about betrayal and this is what the disciples understood, those who were doing teaching apart from themselves, and how Jesus was not, was not acting the way they needed him to act. They wanted him to act. My friend had betrayed me with actions I found hurtful. So I looked through my magnifying glass of anger, and I said, this is no longer my friend. Then I looked through my magnifying glass of self-righteousness and I said, I would never do this to a friend. And later, as time passed, I looked through the magnifying glass of self-honesty. I said, I see my harsh judgments. How much my friend is like me? What is it that we guard against when we see others and yet do not open ourselves to who they are and the gifts that they possess? What choices will we make to reach out in lo the love of Jesus to the world about us? To whom is Jesus calling us to be witnesses by who we are and what we do as much as what we say? Your life, my life, our lives do not consist in what we possess. He or she who dies with the most toys, my friends, do not win. <laughs> A nun whom I knew gave her life working in Haiti and she taught at the school for the blind and she would come 
I had known her for a long time. She would come down to Florida when I was in South Florida, and she would, she would come up with, with a troupe of young, blind Haitian boys, and they would play bells in order to help go around, and they would raise money for the orphanage. And Sister Margaret, Sister Joan Margaret, was um, a formidable woman. Uh, at that time, she was well into her 80s. She was about five foot. She weighed about 300 pounds. She walked with a cane, and everybody cowered before her. She was a wonderful voice of God. Because the way she lived and what she did was more than who she appeared to be. She taught me a proverb, a Haitian proverb. Father, a cold wind seems to have chilled us. Wrap us in a blanket of your word and warm us up a bit. Warm us up a bit. How do we become empowered to be witnesses to the gospel of Christ that others may just see in us and that we may act in the way that brings others joy and peace and love? Baptism today is about bringing us all together. The first poem that I ever memorized was named Outwitted. Outwitted was penned by Edwin Markham, who lived from 1850s, 1852 to about 1940. He was poet laureate of Oregon. Uh, he died in New York City. And I remember the poem because we had to do it every day, and it seemed ad nauseum. But you know how things come back later in life? He drew a circle that shut me out, heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle and took him in. Our job, brothers and sisters, is to take all within the reach of God's saving embrace. May we be empowered to do so, and may God grant us the joy to do it. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, amen.